1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: If you could change one thing about your home, what would it be? A new kitchen, a new master bath, maybe put in a pool. What if you could do it with no money out of pocket and cheaper monthly payments? Save with SaveWithConrad.com can help. And you can even skip your next two house payments. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender, Save with Conrad.com.
2: What is going on, DDP Snake Pit fans? It's time for another weekly edition of The Snake Pit. I'm John Alba, and I'm joined by two bona fide <coughs> Hall of Famers here Jake the Snake, Roberts, Diamond Dallas Page. My friends, how
3: are we? Well, it's not your lighting, and it's not your TV, it's not what you're watching it through. I really am this dark, <laughs> Jake,
4: I I don't remember. I guess back in the '80s, back in the '80s, when you had to get it when, when your when your job is to be tan unless you're a taker who could get away with being be yeah. white as a ghost. But uh, everybody else, you, you you just look better tan on camera. And I walked in, and I go. Ooh, the Beach Boys back in town. Oh
3: man, where, where, where were you just? I was in Destin, man, and I tell Uh-oh. you, this is from one day. Wow, one day. <laughs> one day. I, I got that perfect skin. Yeah, for tanning. You yeah, know? and I'd be bright red. Yeah, he'd be purple. <laughs> I yeah. always said I was looking for the perfect color, reddish brown. I yeah. would, get a, I would get a little tan, uh, but yeah, that's well, a great K- area. Hogan said one time. I remember him saying this in the locker room. If you got a choice of going to the gym or the tanning bed, which one do you do?
4: No, well, for him it was the tanning bed, tanny for sure. Bed. Yeah. yeah, and
3: you tanny look bed. better. Bagwell said
4: the same thing. Yeah, you know, for but for me, those tanning beds are like oh. the worst thing you can I, do. Even. I got shit cut out of me all oh. over. And a lot of it had to do with the sun because i was a surfer as a kid and uh a lifeguard so i've never put any block on no oh my god my face would get so red and in <laughs> my at age 17 years old you know from squinting on the beach you'd have the lines
3: oh my god it's like what would be awesome what a gimmick you could have <laughs> uh, well,
4: you know we're building you know john we're building a place we just finally got through permits and everything in Panama City Beach. Oh, okay. And uh, it's going to be called Page's Retreat. And my wife and I are building a uh, It's – we're going to rent it out, you know, because there's there's four floors. The fourth floor is ours. But the whole house, uh, it's, it's going to be pretty amazing. That's just awesome. down there. To- I was
3: just there and, uh the view is incredible. That's yeah,
4: so I mean, right. It's right on the beach. It's but but it's also 15 feet above sea level.
3: Yeah, I hope Which so. is yeah. Well, <laughs> and then I'm going up another uh 15 yeah, feet. I want to see it during the hurricane. I do you know, <laughs> the bottom
4: floor because because you have 15 yeah. feet, you can build a bottom out. The bottom floor is I I made it all some a concrete.
3: Oh yeah, there yeah. So wide. it's
4: all sealed. If it
3: goes over 30 feet. We're all screwed yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the way here in Georgia. Yeah, M- Montgomery will be underwater. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be a bad thing for Montgomery. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I was, in, I was in Diamond Dallas Page territory just the other night. I was in Asbury Park, and I was at the Wonder Bar. And Jake, I, I kid you not, they got this big old Diamond Dallas Page action figure right in front of the stage overlooking all the performers. So, DDP, wow. your, your roots are cemented, my friend, in the jersey. Uh, my, my,
4: my buddy, My buddy Lance Larson and his girl Debbie, they own uh, the Wonder Bar.
3: Very nice. And uh,
4: back in the day, Lance used to actually date Linda for the longest time. Yeah. Wow. And uh, what a great musician uh, he is. But they're know great, great, great entertainment down there, man. Some of the Bruce Springsteen would be there all the time. time. Mm -hmm. Not the Wonder Bar, but at the the Pony. I saw him back in... In 80, right before the Born in the USA tour took off, I saw him there because I had a club that was just down one block away. So on Sundays, it was teen night. So I'd go down and, you know, get a few drinks at the Pony and watch. I saw Bruce Bruce 18 weeks in a row. Wow. Play with a band called Cats in the Smooth Surface. Cats in the Smooth, yep. And Bobby Bandiera, who was the lead singer for them, would end up becoming part of the E Street Band. Wow. And, uh a little bit, a little bit of Jersey Shore history. Bon Jovi came in my club when he was 15. Wow. We, would play, we were live music, too, and it was huge. We put like 1500 people there on the weekends and he would come down. And can you please come down and hear me play? And, you know, eventually I went down there because it was like three blocks away called the um, God, I can't remember the name, the name of the club down there. He was at, but um, Hotel California, that's what it was called. And when I, went, when I went there, you know, of course he's playing and there's only 40 people in there, but 25 of them were women and about 15 of them were really hot. Cause he was just <laughs> kid, he's, He had such magnetism back then. Damn. And I eventually put him, I got my owner to put him in the club and he put him, but he, he didn't put him on the main stage. I wanted to like build the night around him because it would be a year or so later he got the big contract. And, uh, next thing you know, uh, Two years later, I guess a year and a half later, Slippery Wet came out. And wow.
2: <laughs> Diamond Dallas page discovered Story. John Bon Jovi. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise.
4: <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I've got so many pictures with him over. He does. We, we were talking about Tony Palagrossi uh, being you before we went on. And Tony was one of the biggest, still is, one of the biggest promoters in the state of New Jersey. And he was really good friends with John because he was managing Hotel California. And in the beginning before he came over and worked with me. And uh then we went to see uh Bon Jovi in I wanna say it was eighty six or eighty seven. I can't remember what, exactly what year that was, but whatever it was, Slippery When Slippery When Wet Tour was on for I mean, those guys were on the road for eighteen straight months. Oh, oh. and When we got – I have a picture of John right in the beginning of that tour Uh, and at the end of the tour. Oh, yeah. And he looks like two different people. (laughs) He is so wore out. But when we got to – you know, we got our tickets, and Tony was the one who got them, and now we've got backstage. And then you go to backstage, and then you went – that was number seven backstage. And you went to six backstage, the five, the four – until you got to the real backstage, you never met Mon Jovi. Mm. And I'm thinking, I said to Tony, I said, if this guy even, if he even acts like we exist, when we see him, he's over with me for life, because at this point, he's a God, you know, and he came in, he's like, Tony, he would be going, he goes, Paige. Oh, that's like, awesome. Oh. How cool <laughs> is that? That's great. It was, you know, it was super cool. You know, you're awesome. on the road, and you know this, oh, Jake, yeah. and you've been on there for a long time, a friendly face, like someone you really care about, you know, that comes oh, really. and shows up. Yeah. You want to spend
3: that time. with yeah, right, you do. You, know? you get a breath of air. You don't have to act.
2: There you go. Exactly.
3: You don't have to to play it.
2: Well, a guy that you both encountered on the road quite a bit is Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. And that's who we're going to be talking about on this week's episode of DDP Snake Pit. This is not an episode on the Jersey Shore music scene, even though I would love to do an episode on the Jersey Shore music scene with you, Dallas. But uh, Kurt Henning, man, uh, we talk about one of the all time greats that truthfully, I believe, is still underappreciated among many wrestling fans because I do believe he really is one of the best I ever stepped foot in a ring. Absolutely. Uh, let, let, so let's start with you, Jake. Uh, did you ever encounter Kurt's dad, Larry the Axe, early on in your career?
3: Boy, did I. Okay. <laughs> uh, That's the axe. One of my uh, uh, first bad experiences <laughs> in the ring was with Mr. Axe himself. Mm-hmm. And I remember it being on Tampa television because uh, at the time I was just breaking in. Mm. Breaking and in? Yes. I had, not, <laughs> I had not trained for it. I just went for it. And um, when he hit me with that ax, I thought I was dead because he went through me completely. Oh. I, I think his arm came out the other side. <laughs> he was a bit out. what? He I was 300 I, pounds. right. Yeah. 300 pounder. He was that short, stocky 300 pounder, brother. And when he came with it, brother, you had no choice. You were gone. Mm. And I remember hitting the mat and I bounced. (laughs) It's not a good sign when you bounce. And um, he covered me and said, hey, kid, (laughs) thanks. And I was like, uh, he, he cleaned my clock and put my clock away. (laughs) But, uh, you know, that's what I deserved. I shouldn't even have been out there at the time. And, uh, you know, that was my first experience. I remember seeing him in Cauliflower Alley years later. We talked for a few minutes. And, uh, of course, Kurt had already been gone then. And uh, it was tough, man.
2: Yeah,
3: Kurt Henning was so good. So good. He was he he had the mechanics fine tuned, and he could shoot on you a little bit too if you wanted to. But he would bump his ass off, man. He bumped and he gave you bumps you never seen before. Let me let me ask you, Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, yeah, know, yeah, yeah.
3: He was before Dolph Dolph Ziggler. There was Kurt Hader. Kurt Kurt same, you know. same. But he he was a strong cat, man, and. Uh, You know, he was a river too, and uh, he played a lot of ribs and had a lot of fun, but you know, him and I kind of mirrored each other because I think I could have done so much more and I think Kurt could have been so much more. He would have been a great Intercontinental champion. Well, he was Intercontinental. Yeah, a yeah champion. for a he, short he, he was a time, world champion. Yeah, but for a short time, he he deserved one of those long runs. Right, right, right. I right. agree. You know, and uh, because he could go out and wrestle, he could damn sure wrestle, man, and he could get it done. But uh, his ribbon was. Uh, Wow, it was off the charts. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you guys about one night. Now, this, has, this can't go any further than right here, okay? okay. Just not, right, just z- right. Z- just right here. You guys understand that, right? Yeah. Like, just, just right, right here. here. Zip it, okay? What happened was, we were going to do television in San Antonio, Texas. And we went. Well... Everybody was there. And lo and behold, there was a dance club down the street. Oh, what? A dance club. Mm. And uh, everybody went. (laughs) I mean, everybody. Vince was there. Oh, my God. Uh, Road Warriors. Perfect. Uh, Beefcake. (laughs) The Samoans. I mean, the, the list went on and on. And... I went in for a little bit, but I got out of there because I seen trouble coming because it was 2 o'clock. Wait a second, wait a second. And I ran.
4: You walked away from trouble yes, back then? Yes, 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 we- I
3: did because I had something in my pocket. Oh, okay. You know? <laughs> and I didn't know what okay. any problem, you know. And uh, the reason I left was they had taken over the bar it was 2 o'clock and they were closing and Vince said no you're not guys get what you want and guys just went up to the bar and started grabbing bottles Wow. you know I'm like holy shit and I stayed for a little bit more until Beefcake suplexed one of the girls on the stage what (laughs) suplexed her oh yeah and she got up. She didn't sell it. She didn't sell it. <laughs> then the road warriors got up and did their finish on the stage. Hawk diving across and hitting a girl. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It got, it got really bad. It got so bad that when I was leaving, the cops <laughs> were already there. But they wouldn't go in. They were afraid. We aren't going in there. We'll get them as they come out. So, as I'm there, Sergeant Slaughter pulls up in his Cadillac, and there's a cop car blocking the door. And I'm just trying to, excuse me, sir, I want to get out of here. I don't want to be involved in this, you know. And the cop's like, go ahead, get, in, get out of here. Mr. You know? Innocent. Mr. Innocent, <laughs> me, I'm a snake. You're you a, know?
2: a saint and a snake, no doubt about that. then
3: <laughs> Slaughter decides that cop car needs to move. Oh, no. So he hit it with his Cadillac and pushed it all the way through so he could have the front spot in front of the door. He got out of the car and walked in. The cops never said a word to him. Well, I left at that point. I heard he got really bad. But at 3 o'clock, they were still in there. But the girls had left. Somebody was smart enough to say, well, listen, if we want to get them out of there, get the girls out of there, they're going to leave. That's what happened. So they got the girls out there, so everybody's now screw it, let's go back to the hotel. Oh well, they my. went back to the hotel and they decided they were going to break into Flair's room. So they broke into Flair's room. Perfect put Flair's robe on, he was doing stuff. <laughs> they, they, they spread the beds apart and they started shooting on each other. Well, it wound up, Perfect wound up fighting Vince. What? Yeah, they're wrestling. Oh, shoot, okay. shoot wrestling. Okay. <laughs> and Perfect cross faces Vince. Oh, God. And Vince won't, won't give up. So Perfect grinds him even more. And Perfect had this big Rolex on. Oh, my. And it just so happened that it was right across Vince's ear. And about the third time he clinched down, blood shot across the room. <laughs> It busted Vince's ear all to hell. Yeah, he made a mess in the room. Then they tore they, they broke into the bar thing and Larry got stuck with about a six hundred dollar bill on the bar and Holy Yeah, it was quite the day. And then the next day television, which you gotta be there at noon, right? I got there at noon, it was a ghost town. <laughs> Nobody was there. Vince showed up at four o'clock. Oh my. With a great big thing on his ear. His ear was, was broken in half. Yeah, it was a uh, bad night in San Antonio.
2: Well, that speaks to the uh, how genuinely skilled Kurt Hennig was. He, he, oh, he, he was, man. He, he could shoot. He could do it. And, and Dallas, he ends up having a run in AWA, and you end up yeah. having him briefly part of your Diamond Exchange faction. Uh, yeah, what, are your,
4: what are your recollections of that? Well, the first day that I was there, you got to remember, I come with this big trunk. Remember the old trunks? Had a little, like a little lock in the front, (laughs) flipped it open. Because I had so much shit. And I had, I, Five different outfits, leather coats, chaps. I mean I had every <laughs> I, had, I had every gimmick look, leather skin coat, zebra skin, oh, zebra God. boots. Perfect ribu did he no, no, he, he actually loved it. We, we 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 sat across from each other uh, in the uh, locker room and about we shot four shows a day. And oh, uh, wow. he was sitting the show one hour shows back then for ESPN. And uh, he goes, do it, Diamond. I go, do what? He goes, do it. I think you do. I go, do what? He goes, good God. <laughs> and I went, good God. He goes, man, I love that. I've never heard anybody do that before. Um, so later that day, we, we went, you know, after we went to the bar. And, you know, we just started drinking. And uh, he was like, listen, nah. Uh, You ain't going to be here long. Like so many people thought the way as polished as my gimmick (coughs) with the DDP rings. I mean, I had every gimmick you could have. And they were like, you ain't going to be here long. Vince is going to pick you up. Of course, that never happened. And at six foot four, put cowboy boots on me. I'm damn close to six, seven. So I was never going to get that opportunity. But that's what was going you know, through my head. And that's what Curtis said to me. And uh, uh, he said, you're going to make more relationships here at the bar than you ever will in the ring, yep. in the locker room, yep. you know, being on the road. And, and there was no road. I came in for one day. I filmed four shows. That's what it was my first nine months in professional wrestling. And so I got picked up by Florida Championship Wrestling, too. And then I would work one more day there a week, though. Um, but Kurt, and you were talking about just, you know, what a great... He had such a, a ridiculous high wrestling IQ. Yeah. A lot yeah. like Jake in the, in that respect,
3: too. You, you know, like, he's around some of the most unbelievable oh, wrestlers ever. I mean, Billy yeah. Robinson, Fern Gagne, right down the list, man. I mean, yeah. my God, those guys were you know, animals, man.
4: And, and he took bumping to a different level. Yeah. But what a lot of people don't realize, a lot of his bumps were really calibrated. Like, I can remember seeing him get the punch and go over the top rope, and it looked like, oh my god, what a bump! But if you watch him in slow motion, like I did, as he went over there, he had his arm, hand on this rope, yep. which you never really saw. And as he fell, he grabbed this rope,
3: and as he kept down.
4: going, he held this rope, so by the time he got there, it, it just it slowed him down. Slowed him down. Uh, like, I studied him, not as much as I studied Jake, but he was one of my five guys that I, I that were part of who Diamond Dallas Page eventually became. Jake, Perfect, Savage, uh, DiBiase, and Funk. Yeah, you know, like that's like that was like a medley of guys that I loved to watch in the ring, the way they told stories verbally. And, uh, you know, physically and uh, when I, it was, was a point in time where the axe had brought up like you guys, you guys would be really good together because he hadn't gone and Kurt didn't look like he would later look as Mr. Perfect. Yeah, he's still his body. He was working on that came from Scott Hall because Scott Hall. Look, three, I stuck 300 pounds. Yeah, I'm just, you know, muscles. And, you know, uh, he was, you know, one of those big muscled up guys when he started. And he's the one who got perfect in the gym and working on his body because his body was nowhere in the yeah. beginning. He just, but he could work his ass off already. And, uh, of course, it never happened with, with me and him going in, but we kept our relationship. And if I went to go see him when he got to the WWF, he would always hook up with me. You know, and there was no cell phones back then, no. so you had to catch the guys like on a beeper or, you know, from their home phone, and they remembered it, and they got back to you. And Kurt <laughs> was one of those guys, and so it was, uh, it was, it was great watching him go through. I love how they brought him in the WWF with all of the things that you see the on videos. yes, but the things that you see on Instagram today, yeah, or where they take the basketball and they throw the basketball and it ends in the in the hoop. A lot of that shit's gimmicked. Yeah, Henning's none of it was. Everything you saw him do, he could do. He did. He was like the he was like the most all around athlete ever. From being in a bar playing darts to shuffleboard, you know, the he, best. He was the best at everything. He was. He really was, Mister Perfect.
2: Would you guys argue those are some of the most memorable vignettes in wrestling history? Because I, I genuinely think they are.
3: Oh yeah.
4: I I think as far as a vignette, it's the best. The only person I would put up there as far as, like, vignettes that were live, of course, Ted. Yeah. With the kicking of the basketball. Yeah. RVD, yeah. RBD, when RVD's a kid,
3: and, you know. Uh, I loved it when DiBiase went and had the pool cleared out. Oh, yeah, right. That right. was a shoot. They <laughs> paid the guy off, and the guy made all those kids get out, and they're all standing on the fence holding and looking. <laughs> Imagine the heat he got there.
4: Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> To me, like, like, there's that's another guy. Ted DiBiase, like, like that guy is another guy should have been a five-time world champion. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it was a great gimmick he had because he was treated like royalty and first class So yeah. a lot of the boys were in the back. Yeah. But, I mean, those two guys, you know, friggin' amazing, yeah. you know, great promos and, you know, could deliver as good as anybody. Yeah. Probably ever.
3: Kirk could get in the ring ring and wrestle anyone. It didn't matter if they were six ten and four hundred pounds or or one hundred and sixty pounds, and he would make that match happen. And that to me tells me how good you are. Sure. You know, if you can wrestle everybody and still push it and make it happen, then you're good.
2: And and the thing about that, Jake, is he wasn't just working with everybody. He was working everywhere because he was always out on the road and. If you're out on the road all the time, well, we want to hook you up here at DDP Snake Pit. This episode brought to you by CarShield, which makes it easy and affordable to protect your car from expensive repairs. And that, right. just for starters, CarShield is the number one auto protection company in the U.S. and offers protection plans for around 100 bucks a month. The plans cover more parts than ever before, whether your car has 5,000 miles or if you're like Dallas and you're like Jake, 150,000 miles when you're making the towns. And it's so <coughs> simple to get your car fixed when you need a repair you get to choose the mechanic and car shields administrators handle the rest that is it you just you just tell them hey this is what i want this is what i need the paperwork's done by them the headaches are taken care of by them it is fantastic and if your car breaks down you're stuck on the side of the road plans through car shield also include coast to coast roadside assistance and here is the best part you get your coverage today. You're going to lock in your price right now, and it's never going to go up. Dallas, how valuable is that so, if you're out uh, on the road? Uh,
3: I, I, the, All that's uh, to do is one time, one time breakdown, and you'll be buying it. car shield. You know, and the bottom line is, which
4: which blows AAA out of the water. You know, for for years I had AAA, but there's no reason to have it if you've got car shield. We're doing a 200 – Three hundred miles on the road. And a lot of times that's with your own car. Yeah. You know, especially back in the day when they were oh, trying Lord. to save money. So it's on you. Your car breaks down and they're not only gonna pick you up, get you to go, get you to where you need to get to, but they're also gonna hook you up and get your car fixed.
3: But they're gonna let you choose your own mechanic, which that's is unheard of. Ridiculous. It's unheard of. It, you know, this, is, is. this
4: is one of the this is one of those things that if you don't lock it down and check it, I just go to what's the site where they can get that all, John.
2: So CarShield will help you protect your wallet. You go to CarShield dot com slash podcast to start your plan and lock in that pricing forever. That's CarShield dot com slash podcast. A deductible may apply, but it is so worth it, Dallas.
4: No, I would. I'd be all over it. I'm bro. getting. I'm getting on it. I'm getting it for my own self. But I've been all over it on the road. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> when we were doing those serious towns, man. Like today, WWE is just going you know, back on the road now. But AEW, they don't even know what that's like. They go out for three days, to think, "Oh, I'm on the road." Like, no, you're not no, really. You're not. <laughs> you're on a vacation, yeah. and you got to work when you get to the vacation. Sometimes, <laughs> well,
1: sometimes.
3: Oh my goodness! Well, check, check, out, check cars out Car, car Absolutely, uh, yeah. that's, that's a no, it's a no brainer.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.
4: Hey, one of the things you're talking about traveling, you know, I know you've got a few towns you want to let people know about. Oh, yeah. You know, Ric Flair, we've got his uh, his big show up there at StarCast. So we're going to be up there for uh, what's the date on that, John? It's the end of the month. I know that
2: So StarCast is going to run from July 29th through July 31st. And the roast of Ric Flair is going to be July 29th. Yes, We got some some panels on the 30th and 31st. I'm going to be hosting a panel with Matt Hardy about mental health and addiction and wrestling, which is going to be awesome. And then at night, right after that panel, July 31st, Ric Flair's last match, which is just the card for that, is stacked, man. It is stacked.
4: Yeah, I I will actually be one of the roasters. Hell yeah. Uh, (laughs) Got a lot of good stuff getting ready. Oh, my God. roast the man. The man uh uh then we're going to be uh, there uh, if you want to get your autograph signed uh earlier get to uh the head of the line they, there's a place they can uh, get their uh, uh autographs and uh pictures and stuff ahead of time already uh, down is it you you know what that
2: is? Uh, com has got all the details that you need on all okay then you can
4: go there and get that so i'll be i'll be there for that for, for that weekend and then i'm going to be uh, uh going to be headed to um uh, september 24th. Uh, out in L.A. at the uh, LAX Fan Fest. I'll be there on the uh, 24th of September from 10 to 1. What about you, Jake?
3: Oh, man. The weekend that Flair's doing the StarCast, unfortunately, I can't be there because I'm going to be in lovely Raleigh, North Carolina doing Galaxy Con. Nice. That's, that's another loaded card, man. It's three days, 29th, 30th, and 31st. 24th, I'll be in San Antonio, San Antonio doing a nice gig. And... um you know it just keeps rolling man i'm so grateful for everybody that uh it drags me around helps me out i'll be at madison square garden on the 13th the third, of august what's, what's right across madison the street or across the street yeah from across the street square madison square garden there's a big uh, store there beside an autographs then i go to pikeville kentucky on the 20th of august and it just keeps happening
4: man. well the last thing on jaco i know you're about to do this if you go to com, you can actually get signed autographs personalized. Yeah. And my site
3: will be starting up real soon. So, look, yeah, look for like,
4: be, be, be conscious, probably be up there by the time this airs by probably. next week. Yeah. So, go to JakeSnakeRoberts.com or diamonddollarspage.com for personalized autographs. Okay. Let's keep going, bro. Let's, let's keep get back going. To Mr. So, Perfect.
2: so, Mr. Perfect has a little run here in WWF from around 88 into 91. But in 91, uh, he suffers a back injury and he actually has to step away from the ring for a year. He works as a color commentator with Vince, and he's the executive consultant to Ric Flair. We all remember when Flair debuts, wins the championship. Kurt's right there behind him, just egging him on in that famous promo that he cuts. Uh, what did you think of Kurt stepping into these non-wrestling roles? Because I have to imagine that bit at him as such a worker and a guy who wants to be in there. Now he has to find a different way to utilize his talents.
3: It wasn't easy for him. Uh, you know, it's not easy anytime you step away from the ring. That's the bottom line, you know. And especially someone like Kurt who hadn't gotten what he was capable of. But uh, I thought he did a pretty damn good job, you know. <laughs> especially him and Flair together, that was that was money. That was really money. You no, know? no,
4: I totally agree. I, I enjoyed him together, and I really liked him as a color commentator too. You know, he's, uh, he's quick. He's very he's very quick witted, but you know, out of that, he yeah he worked on his, his body, and he he got to uh, he got to come into WCW. It was years later, yeah. And I think he, you know, where he was, I, he was still a hell of a worker man. I, I watched, I had it up on my uh, my Instagram site or my Facebook, can't remember which one it was, but perfect doing the perfect plex to a seven foot two. Five hundred pound big show, with the arch and the, 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 the whole deal, boy. Just that in, in itself was spectacular. Unbelievable! To watch. I've never yeah. seen that. Yeah, pretty crazy.
2: Yeah. Well, you said uh, he he would take an additional four years off after attempting a brief comeback. His his body was really in in tough shape, but he does find his way to WCW in 1997 and uh, Eric Bischoff and I actually just covered this this past week on 83 weeks we talked about Bash at the Beach 97 and uh, you get a chance to work with Kurt right off the bat he debuts on the June 30th 1997 edition of Nitro and a couple weeks later he's the mystery partner with you against Randy Savage and Scott Hall but after a miscommunication he ends up shoving you he walks out on the match and you get pinned Uh, this was a Looking back on it, because I watched it back, this was a bit of an odd way to debut Kurt in WCW, in my opinion. If he was going to be the mystery partner for you, why wouldn't you wait to debut him at the pay-per-view as a surprise for everybody?
4: That I didn't understand. Did you ask
2: Eric? I did ask that? that. I did ask Eric. And he, did he, was
4: the, he was the head booker. What did
2: he say? Uh, he he was just said, well, you know, we probably discussed a few other ideas, but that was the one that we best thought would work. And it just yeah, that kind didn't of make sense to me.
4: And that scenario being a mystery partner, and I know I want to get screwed by him, but that's what set us up to working together. And later on, At Starrcade, I would take the, because he would become the United States champion, and I would win the title from him at Starrcade, Oh, wow. Which was huge for my career. You know, getting to, you know, getting to win it from someone, you know, of such, you know, Hall of Famer and, you know, everybody held Kurt in the highest regard as far as a worker. Uh, a, a fun guy to hang out with, but a quality person too. I mean, he was—he was a real good dude.
2: Did he express excitement about getting to work with you upon coming in? Because he's—he's he's the first guy you're working with.
4: Uh, pretty crazy to me, you know, because we go back to you know from being managing for for a moment in the in the AWA right before he left for the WWF, and for me to actually be out there again, one of the guys. That were part of my, you know, my five guys that I studied the most to be, want to be a little bit like him, a little bit like Funk, a little bit like Savage, a lot like Jake, because it was just a lot of the, you know, the studying uh, and putting together who would be Diamond Dallas Page. And right at that time, all of those had merged together. And literally, I would be out there working with them. And 97 was my my best year ever. And I'm like, I am on the same par with him right now. Like, wow.
3: And like, I'm going over.
4: Yeah, and going over and where it wow. means something in this spot. But I'm working like Canyon was one of my favorite people to work with because we it was like a younger version of myself you know, six foot three, he was, and, you know, 235 and just everything. And we, the way we moved and dance, it was, it was, it was so easy with him. And, you know, it was also like that would rave it. And Mark Merrow, there were certain guys that I had really great chemistry with, but going out there and being able to work with a guy that you've Implemented a lot of his yeah. stuff.
3: You know what I mean. Implemented that- is another word for stone. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably like, he's probably like, wait a minute, I've seen this before. Where else yeah. from? <laughs> you just did my fucking spot, you asshole.
4: <laughs> you know, I just, I just did it a little, little bit different, and I would never be the bumper like right, he was, no. right? No, you know, no. but. Don't want to be. (laughs) Yeah, don't want to be. But I did, I did go over that top rope. And as I, I learned that there, there was little things that I, that I took from him that were really like, he would take a bump where he'd take it to his back and he'd flip to his face. Like I, those are the kind of things that I could do that really make the guy you're working with look great. Jake was like that. I was like that. Kurt was like that. We made the other guy. Look great. All you got to watch is my match with Goldberg at Halloween Havoc. And I made Goldie look like Godzilla. And he was, kind of to a degree. But I'd rather take my own bump to make you look better. You know? And again, Kurt was one of those guys I could be with out there. And it just felt like, wow. First of all, it felt really amazing to feel like, you know, I've gotten to that spot, you know, nine years later. Where yeah. I'm working with a guy that I look up to, you know, as a worker and a human being. At, 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 I'm like, I'm, it's it's a mind fuck, you know, like, cause you're like, all the work, all the work paid off.
2: I always felt like his WCW run, he maybe got a little lost in the shuffle. He had the US title run, as you said. He, he had a quick run with the horsemen, and then he gets shifted into the NWO, but he's kind of a, periphery player but he's a guy with legitimate star power do you agree with that assessment and if so why do you think that might have been
3: i think he's like you said he got lost in the shuffle you know uh some guys including myself we just don't we don't speak up when we should we don't go in and uh, banter with the boss when we should uh, some people speak up, if they don't feel like they're, and, and I I just never was like that. I just felt like, well, I'm going to do what the boss wants. And in reality is you got to go in there and bark. If I didn't bark, I never would have made, made it. Yeah, exactly. But I never did. And uh, that was one of my big, big problems. You know, Vince used to tell me, Jake, why don't you come up here on your day is off and we'll sit down and talk. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I've been on the road for 60 days. I haven't seen my wife or my children. If I come up here and see you, I'll be seeing a damn divorce lawyer, <laughs> you know. But years later, I found out that Hogan and Savage both had an apartment in Stanford. I wonder what that was for.
1: If someone relies on you financially, your spouse, your child, anyone, life insurance gives you the peace of mind that they'll have a financial cushion if something ever happens to you. By making it easy to compare your options from top companies, Goliath Life helps make sure you're not paying a penny more than you have to for the life insurance coverage you need to protect those you love. At GoliathLife.com, you can compare personalized quotes from top companies to find your lowest price. The process is fast and easy with no hidden fees, upsells, or hassles. Goliath Life is your one-stop shop to find the life insurance you need at the right price head to goliathlife.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save that's goliathlife.com
2: i want to ask you about this dallas because this is crazy and we found this in our research so props to richard for this but uh your last match with Kurt Hennig was a tag match on Thunder in Birmingham, Alabama. And it is you, Bam Bam, Bigelow, and Canyon uh, defeating Kurt and Barry Windham. Talk about talent in one match on an episode of Thunder. How about that?
4: Well, the whole thing, the the Jersey triad, me, Bam Bam, and uh, and, uh, Canyon was kind of like Trying to do, like the first people that I saw do this was the Freebirds, you know, and where Michael would act as a manager occasionally, you know what I mean? He would also get in and work too, but they would work two out of three. So, you know, I'd worked with Barry countless times. Matter of fact, I got knocked out in a match with Barry very early on in my career. I mean, maybe I'd been wrestling six months and I took some bump and it knocked me out. It was it was really the first time it happened. You're out on your feet. Oh, yeah, it's scary as shit, man. Because yeah, all wonder, of a sudden, this wonderful world. Yeah. You wake up. You're in the middle. You're still moving. Yeah. But you're wake up in the middle of the ring, and I'm like, like, What am I doing here? Wow, It's like it's 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 just a really. I can't even explain how weird that feeling is. And I said, Barry, I have no idea who I am. Something had to happen, man. I have no idea where I am. He just held on to me. He goes, don't worry, kid. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> like, he knew immediately what happened because he saw whatever bump I took, and he realized, okay,
3: he's... Yeah, you'll see it in people's eyes, man.
4: Right. Barry Windham was one of, When you look back at his work...
3: Oh, man. Oh, my I God. I was very fortunate to work with Barry Windham when he was very young and, uh, in Florida, and Barry and I tore the house down every damn night. You know, we'd do forty minutes. Then Dusty and uh, uh-huh. Kevin Sullivan would go out and do seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't got the, I haven't got the blood stop you know, yet, and <laughs> they're already back. You know, from from their <laughs> Are you Fucking kidding me! <laughs> I hadn't even got the blood stop yet. <laughs> but uh, it was great, man. Barry, uh, Barry helped me a lot. I learned a lot from Barry. I think we we both learned from each other. And I remember one of the greatest compliments I ever got was in Tampa, Florida back there up when you'd go watch the matches from up on the top there in the, the armory, sport, sport, in the armory, in the armory armory. Okay. And, um, Terry Funk walked up to me after I had a match with Barry and he goes, kid, it's good to know that I'll be passing this business off to guys like you and Barry that's very cool that's a compliment. and i just I, I didn't know what to fucking say yeah i did not know what to say and uh god that's awesome oh, hell, yeah
4: hell of a compliment man yeah. yeah 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 barry was i mean you talk about natural oh you know sec- second degree you know coming up with uh mulligan yeah uh, which, oh, I love Blackjack Mulligan. Oh. Man. That guy had a Ibn Him Wah, who Wahoo had the biggest hands oh. that I have ever seen. Besides, you know, hands. Andre and, <laughs> uh, and uh and Big Show. Big Show has a monster catchment uh, as well. But uh, those two together, you know, and you know us, it was it was like you know to me, I knew we didn't have to do a lot, you know, because go out and play, yeah, you and know, just go out there and have fun,
2: yeah. Well, uh, fast forwarding here real quick, he, Kurt ends up leaving WCW in the summer of 2000. He'd go to work some indies, did a shot with XWF, and he actually, and I'm so glad he got this before he passed, he he got to return to the WWF at the Royal Rumble in 2002. You're there as well, Dallas. Uh, quick little run here for him. It only lasts until May, but that must have been really nice to have him back there in that environment, getting an opportunity to have one more shot. What do you remember that run meaning to him?
4: God, no, I I you know, I don't remember much about that. That wasn't my favorite time yeah. you know in the business. Uh, but getting to see him and spend some time with him, I know we had a we had a few laughs, we had a few cocktails, and you know, like I said, we started at the bar. <laughs> you know, that's where we really bonded and got to know each other. And I, I can remember I was on the road with uh with uh Kevin and Scott and uh You know, X Pac. And I was like, I was the fourth guy in the car because they were all my boys, you know. So anytime we we could be in a spot where we could drive together, I would jump in with them. And we were up in the Midwest and we went to go see Kurt at one of his favorite watering holes up there in uh, God, I I just know where I think he's from. I think he was from Michigan, but I'm not exactly sure where he was exactly from, but it was one of those towns. And uh, Wayne Bloom was there, and you know they fuck fifteen dart boards around the wall, the pool table. It was a, it was a, it was a huge gin mill, and we got to spend some, you know, some time and some laughs there. Uh, you know, it's remember always be remembered to me as just a super great guy.
2: Yeah, we we ended up losing him far too early in 2003. Uh, he was just 44 uh. years old, but. He does get inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame in 2007 by one of his longtime friends, Wade Boggs, and he, he's remembered as an all-time legend uh, in this industry. When, when you think of one moment or one match or one element of his lasting legacy, what comes to mind for each of you guys?
0: Mm.
3: Jake, what do you got? I used to love the bump he took, man, when he'd do the, the three sixty. Yeah. yeah, like he like yeah. he developed that before or anything. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was one of the first guys I've ever seen him do that. Like, what the hell was that? <laughs> really,
4: there was so many little things like that that yeah. he did too.
3: And he did one where he grabbed the rope, and you'd be working his arm, and he'd kick his leg, and he'd do a flip there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, We've all seen that one. You know, yeah.
4: my favorite moments, of course, is going to be you know Starkade. You yeah. so that match we had was a hell of a match man, and you know he let me lay out a lot of that, which was again super cool who well, the guy went out there and who started as a heel in the old school where you didn't did the heel called the match you know by this time people are discussing them they're not laying them out to the degree that it is today. I did, but no one else did that uh savage did that uh but Back then, you talk about it, you know, the beginning, the middle, the heat spot, the you know, the the, the finish to go home. Uh, he let me lay out a lot of that, which was super cool. And then we out there, when you know where you're going, what you're doing, now you can improv to me super easily because I know where I am and I can pick it right back up where where we had to go back to. And he gave me a hell of a match and he put me over in a way that I'll never forget, you know. It was, it was the most memorable moment besides the first day we met. You know, because I was like, that, that put a button on it like nothing could. It was very much reminiscence for me when I go up to be the driver for the Honky Tonk Man and Jimmy Hart and Greg Valentine. And then eight years later, Warriors come into WCW to work with Hulk. And me and Goldberg are sharing the main event spot with him. Very Pretty crazy. You know, like like that moment and the moment with Kurt being the very first person I actually bond with in the AWA. And I win my first really major title.
2: It's pretty amazing. Well, we got a couple quick fan questions to get to. But before we do... I got to tell you all about a product that I know Diamond Dallas Page has got in his household. You see, science tells us that the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering core body temperature. Temperature control- <laughs> <came in. laughs> Temperature controlled sleep repairs muscles after a hard day's work and improves cognitive function. So you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. And that's why we're going to talk about chilly sleep. Because Chili Sleep makes customizable, climate-controlled sleep solutions that help you improve your entire well-being. It makes the Uller and the Cube Sleep Systems hydro-powered, temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. They keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. And the Sleep Systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and they even give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. Dallas- I know this is in your household. How has it changed things for you guys?
4: Well, for starters, I'm still waiting for mine. chilly sleep. I've, had mm. to, I've My wife loves it, and I've had to, when she's not there, I sleep on her side of the bed.
3: There you go.
4: Because <laughs> wow. she hasn't, you know what I love the most, it's like it doesn't go on until you set it on your app, on oh. your phone. So oh. it, it does come on right when, you know, it doesn't like jump in where it's cool. It's as you start to warm it up. Now you want to cool it down, especially when you're sleeping. I'm always searching for the cool, the other side of the pillow. Yeah. Like one of my lines used to be cooler than the other side of the pillow. Well, <laughs> when you got a chilly sleep bed, you don't have to worry about that. You can make it cool whenever you want it to be. Yeah, And, you know, that that's what I love most about it. And, again, it's one of those things that go with a really comfortable bed. You know, you're not just in a comfortable bed. Now you can... Chill it down when you need it chilled down. Absolutely. Or when you don't want it that way. If you walk into a, a warm, you know, a cold bedroom, because sometimes I'll have the AC pumped up, I want to get into a warm bed. And then as soon as that temperature settles in, then I want the bed to be cool. Makes your Especially life and easy. After some serious action in that bed.
2: <laughs> well, you can head over head over to chillysleep.com forward slash DDP Snake Oh, learn you mean more. when she's out of
3: town? Oh, maybe, oh no, no.
4: I, I knew not he, not was, this I knew he was this one. I
0: knew he was
2: I knew he was behaving too much on this episode. Oh, I, I knew know, we yeah, had to get I something did. in there. Uh, head over to chillysleep.com forward slash DDP Snake to learn more and save 30% off the purchase of your new Cube or Uller Sleep System. This offer is available exclusively for DDP Snake Pit listeners and only for a limited time. That's Chili C HILI sleep.com DDP snake to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every single day. Let's get some questions in here, guys. Uh, we got one from Graham. He asks, lots of people think Kurt should have held the world heavyweight title. Personally, I don't think he needed it. Do you think it was important for Kurt to have held it?
4: You know, I always hate when people say, I don't think you really needed it. Yeah. You know, because I think that, like, Jake should have been a seven, eight-time world champion. Should have been. You know, I think he was in. He just happened to be in an era where a guy held it for one, but whole called it yeah. for five years. Yeah. You know, it was a different time then. But if he was in my era, you know, he would have held it multiple times. And, you know, I think that a lot, you're right, guys, certain guys don't need it. But to me, I think that it's just—it's—it's it's a payoff to yeah, hard work. Yeah, all the hard work that's there, and every all the guys who didn't, and like whether it's Jake, Scott Hall, DiBiase, uh, Mr. Perfect, Roddy Piper, yeah. there's five right there, you know, that all should have been world champions at one point or another. So, uh, yeah, you can, you, you can argue that don't really think he needed it. Yeah, but yeah, if you want to be the guy, you need it.
2: Yeah. Uh, this is a great question from Bag Jones. and I was going to ask you about this anyway. Uh, he says, why don't you guys think that his son, Joe Hennig, also known as Curtis Axel in WWE, ever got to the main event level? He had a good run in WWE, a couple of title runs, but I think a lot of people would have seen him checking a lot of boxes.
4: I thought he was really good. I didn't nope. understand it. I don't understand why a lot of things get done there sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, what, you know, what sticks out to me the most is, like, why wasn't Bray Wyatt the one who stopped Taker's streak? Because yeah. then you're just going to keep him going and, he, and him take on the streak. Um, I don't know why, you know, personalities, you know, you know, politics i don't know why yeah. but i don't know why they do certain things but joe is a hell of a talent um and again third generation wrestler who understood the business and he was good out there in the ring and he could have been exceptional
0: are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt save with com can help and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this NMLS number 65084 equal housing lender oh and did i mention no house payments for two months Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at Savewithconrad.com. Eric wants to
2: know, have either of you wrestled a better bump taker or a bumper than Hennig? Do you think anyone in the history of the industry is better than him?
3: Yeah. Back in the day, there was a guy called uh, Mike Boyette, the hippie Mike Boyette. And he was the most incredible bumper I've ever seen. Um, if he got pissed off at somebody, he'd go out in his match and he'd kick the lights out above us. So they'd have to halt the show, to put new lights in. You know, he could, he could fly, man. I seen him take a backdrop from Andre in a double, bottle, battle, double ring battle royal from one ring to the other ring.
4: Mm. Wow.
3: It was amazing. Yeah, you what about you, Dallas? Well,
4: it was really great. Pat Tanaka oh yeah pat, pat tanaka. tanaka you've never Before. seen a flat back bump faster than pat yeah. and the the look i can remember if this is his quad and this is his uh you know his shin you could take his knee back then and he could do this one yeah and this is in 1988 yeah. and he wrestled long in the two in the mid-2000s yeah. you know like i mean he and wrestled if you saw him you would never think anything was hurting on him. And, of course, Dolph Ziggler, you know, yeah. incredible, incredible worker. You know, and Jake would say, don't make the guy look too good because then that's a tough job to get out of, you know. Like, make him look good, but don't make him look too good. Yeah. Ziggler takes it to a different level. But it's a different level that these that these guys wrestle at today. Uh, they're much better athletes than we yeah. were uh, yeah. Mind boggling to a certain degree. Um, but those three guys, you know, uh, yeah. pretty damn good. Last
2: question for you here. This is
4: from Wait, wait, wait a minute. Chris Canyon. Chris Canyon, Another okay. unbelievable bumper. Okay, good.
2: I'd agree with that. Last question. This comes from Mike. Who do you think Kurt would have enjoyed a match with on today's AEW or WWE roster?
4: Mm anyone he wanted to <laughs>
3: yeah, really. really.
4: I think that I would love to see him as a heel with someone like Kenny Omega oh you know and because Kenny can do anything yeah. but a- as a heel that the heel calls the match yeah and yeah. I would love to see what that match would look like because yeah. Kenny is one of the greatest athletes ever I don't even I, he's another guy I watch him and I get sore watching his matches from some of the abuse he puts his body through. But I would love to see if someone like a Kurt Henning, who really was a master of less is more yeah. and slowing down, and the reaction that
3: those two would get would just be insane. That, that would be an incredible match. I have to go with you on that one. <laughs> really would.
2: I'll give hey, you yeah. I'll give you one in each. I'll say in uh WWE. I think he and Randy Orton would have had such a fun psychological little match. One
3: hundred percent. Yeah.
2: Can you imagine him taking an RKO? How great that would have looked. I mean, he took the cutter, <laughs> so we know how that looks. Um, and then in AEW, he and Dax Harwood. He and Dax Harwood have had a, such appreciation for the art. I just You're right like,
3: there. That's that's pretty damn that's good, a good, man. Good, good. Good call too. Yeah. Who so. gave you those? <laughs> i know you didn't come over that shit <laughs>
2: uh, i may i may have a call with dax harwood later today so maybe yeah, that's I got you. I my got you.
3: but uh this Tell is great,
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad we got to celebrate the career of kurt Henning here uh we's, he's an all-time great heel in my opinion and next week we are talking working like a baby face and we're going to get some wrestling psychology discussion in here we're going to learn from the very best and that's why I can't wait for the next episode of DDP Snake Pit. Anything else you guys want to throw out there this
4: week? Goodbye. Cameo, Hey, cameo. cameo. You want to see uh, get something from me and Jake on Cameo? Go to Cameo.com.
1: <laughs> we, we appreciate have fun
4: you with guys.
2: It. Yes, absolutely. Go get your Cameos now. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week's edition of DDP Snake Pit. We'll see you next time.